The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweis, and this is the audio version of the seven-page article I wrote and published on my Substack on December 10th, 2023, originally published on my blog on December 15th, 2020, and the article is entitled Asking for Miracles on Hanukkah, updated for 2023 in light of the war with Hamas. Two notes. Note number one is that in this audio version, I'm not going to read any of the footnotes, but rest assured, if you want to see the numerous citations of sources, just check out the article itself. Uh, note number two, I originally gave this as a shear, so this exists in a video version and an audio version in a shear format, uh, and I'll include the links in the show notes. And actually, note number three, which is in the text itself, Note, many of my articles are written for general audiences, but this article was written for readers who possess a great deal of background knowledge of halacha and halachic terminology. For this reason, I've only translated and explained a small portion of the terms in halachic jargon. Had I attempted to maintain my usual style, the article would be cluttered and distracting. So without further ado, asking for miracles on Hanukkah. Section 1, requesting miracles at the end of Al-Hanisim. On Hanukkah, we recite the Al-Hanisim paragraph in the brachos of Hoda'a, Thanksgiving, in the Shemona Esrei and Birkas Amazon. The standard text of Al-Hanisim found in most Ashkenazic Sidurim concludes with the following line, Translation, and they established these eight days of Hanukkah to give thanks and to praise your great name. However, there is another version of Al-Hanisim which concludes in a radically different manner. Here is the conclusion of Al-Hanisim in the Rambam Siddur. Translation, and you made for yourself a great name in your world, and for your people Israel you did a wonder and miracles. Just as you did miracles and mighty acts for them, so too do miracles and mighty acts with us at this time and season. We will henceforth refer to this bakasha, this request, with a shorthand phrase, kashem, just as. This bakasha will likely seem strange to those who haven't encountered it before. Nevertheless, it seems clear that the version of Alhanisim with Kashem is more authentic than the version without it. The earliest written Siddur was compiled by Rav Amram Gaon in the 9th century. While the version of his Siddur we have today is riddled with inaccuracies and later emendations, the Rishonim testified that his Siddur included a version of the bakasha of Kashem. Here is what the critical edition of his Siddur says, quote, and they established these eight days of Hanukkah with praise and thanksgiving to your name. And just as you did a miracle with them, so too do with us, Hashem our God, miracles and wonders at this time, and we will give thanks to your great name, Salah. End quote. Likewise, the Siddur of Sadiagon in the 10th century includes a version of this Pakasha, quote, And they established eight days of praise and thanksgiving to your name. And just as you did miracles for the earlier generations, so too do miracles for the later generations, and save us in these days like you did in those days. End quote. Indeed, it appears that the Bakasha of Kashem dates back at least to the time that the minor tractate of Masechet Sofrim was compiled, estimated to be in the 8th century, as can be seen in 27, quote, We say in the bracha of thanksgiving, and thanks for the wonders and salvation of your Kohanim, which you have wrought in the days of Matisiah ben Yochanan, Kohen Gadol, and the Hashmonaim, his sons. So too, do with us, Hashem our God and the God of our forefathers, miracles and wonders, and we will give thanks to your name to your name forever. End quote from Masechah Sofrin. The Bakasha also appears in the writings of the majority of the Rishonim who recorded their views on the proper Nusach Hatfila, on the proper liturgy. The such as the Machs Ravitri, the Abu Dhiram, the Ribar Yakar, Rokeach, and Kolbo. 
It is also found in the Nuskhaos of many other ancient communities around the globe, such as Yemen, Castile, Persia, Aramtsova, and Rome. Not only is the inclusion of this bakasha rooted in the most authentic and authoritative versions of the Nusach HaTfila, but it is also sanctioned by the leading halakhic authorities, followed by many Ashkenazic Jews today. Rav Yosef Karo, the author of the Beit Yosef and the Shulchan Aruch, rules in both of his works that one may include this bakasha if one so desires, and the Ramah, the leading halakhic authority for Ashkenazim, does not dispute this ruling. The Mishnah Brura cites the Beit Yosef's psaq without providing any dissenting views from later Achronim. The Aruch HaShulchan endorses the inclusion of Kashem, saying that it was the custom in his community to say it. Considering the fact that the Bakasha of Kashem enjoys the support of the majority of halachic authorities and likely reflects the original Nusach HaTfila established by the Antichonesis HaGadola, one must wonder, why don't Ashkenazim say it? Section 2, The Leaders of the Opposition one of the earliest arguments against the inclusion of Kashem is advanced by the Maharam of Rotenberg and the Sefer Hamanhig, who write that one shouldn't say it because, quote, there shouldn't be tefillah, i.e. requests, in Hoda'a, Thanksgiving, end quote. The middle brachos of the Shemon Esrei are the appropriate place for requests, but modim is reserved for giving thanks. As the Gemara in Brachos 34a states, quote, Rav Yehuda said a person should never ask for his needs in the first three or the last three brachos, but in the middle brachos. For Rabbi Hanina said, the first three brachos are like a servant who arranges praises before his master. The middle brachos are like a servant who asks for a portion from his master. And the last three brachos are like a servant who has received a gift from his master and excuses himself and goes on his way. End quote. This line of reasoning is roundly attacked by those who disagree with their psaq and by those who agree. The Abu Durham, who holds that we should include Kashem, writes that, quote, since it is for the needs of the many, one can say it. End quote. He cites numerous examples where we do this. For example, adding Uchsov Lachaim Tovim, etc., inscribe us for good life during the Esar Yisimei Teshuva, incorporating Ken Yagienu, etc., so bring us, uh, into the blessing of Hoda at the end of the Magid section of the Haggadah, and saying Ken Tchayenu, etc., so bring us life in Modim Durbanan. This same counter-argument is echoed by the Me'iri, who adds that, quote, since the principal portion is Hoda, a little tefillah can't hurt, end quote. The Bali Tosfos are much harsher in voicing this same counter-argument. Quote, There are those who don't say Kashem because the sages said a person may not ask for his needs in the first three or the last three brachos. This is foolishness, shtus, since that reasoning only applies to someone who formulates an individual request, but anything on behalf of the community is permissible. End quote. They then go on to provide their own reasoning for not including Kashem. Quote, rather, it seems that one shouldn't say it because of another reason. Since the sages said that everything pertaining to the future was established to be said in reference to the future, but Hoda'a pertains to the past, and it is because of this that they established Al-Hanisim in Hoda'a, which is about the past. End quote. The tour mentions that some include the Bakasha and some don't. He recites the sorry, he cites the reason given by the Maharam and the Sefer Manhig and the counter-argument given by the Abu Dharam and the Mi'iri. After noting that Rav Amram's sitter has it, the tour says that his father, the Rush, wouldn't say it, would not say it. It seems that it, that because of this, that it is because of this small but influential band of Ashkenazic dissenters that most Ashkenazic sidurim did not end up including the Bakasha, despite it being the majority view among the Rishonim. This minority contingent might regard their victory as another Hanukkah-themed instance of the many being delivered into the hands of the few. Section three: Understanding the disagreement. What are we to make of this machlokas? The majority side has a strong counter-argument. How can the Maharam and Manhig insist that Modim is not a place for this Bakasha when there are so many exceptions to the rule, especially the seasonal Bakasha of Uchsov Lechaim Tovim? 
How can the Bali Tosvos insist that Kashim has no place in Modim simply because the Bakasha is about the future and Modim is about the past? And even though it is reasonable to assume that it is correct to include the Bakasha of Kashim, the question is, why was it instituted in the first place? How are, why are we asking Hashem to perform miracles for us as he did for them? Furthermore, how do we have the right to make such a request? Let us start with the Maharam and the Manhid. The Gemara's analogy about the servant and master makes it easy to understand why inserting a bakasha into modim would be inappropriate. It would constitute a pagam, a blemish in the act of hoda'a. You should ask your master for something during the time when it is customary to ask your master for things, not during the time when you are supposed to be thanking him. In fact, if a servant did slip a request into his thanks, that might even throw the entire act of thanksgiving into question, making it seem like he had an ulterior motive. Think back to the last time someone gave you profuse thanks uh, and then immediately asked you for a favor in the very next sentence. What about the exceptions to this no bakasha during hoda'a rule mentioned by the Abu Dhiram? Two of the exceptions, namely the bakasha at the conclusion of Magid and the bakasha in Modim Durbanan, are easy to dismiss on the basis that the restriction against adding a bakasha to hoda'a applies specifically to modifying, to modifying, to modifying Modim in one's actual Shimon Esrei. The difficult exception is Uchsov Lechaim Tovim. Perhaps the answer is that whereas Kashim is a bakasha for a specific good, namely miracles at this time, Uchsov Lechaim Tovim is a bakasha for life itself. Such an essential request would not be a violation of protocol in the servant-master relationship because the very existence of the servant-master relationship depends upon the servant staying alive. Thus, it is not a problem to interrupt Modim by throwing ourselves at the mercy of our master and asking him to grant us life. It can even be argued that such a request is an expression of the hoda we give him at the beginning of Modim when we refer to him as the rock of our lives, shield of our salvation, and thank him for our lives which are in your hand and our souls which are entrusted to you. The Bali Tosvos don't care about the fact that Kashem is a Bakasha, since they hold that only personal Bakashos shouldn't be added into Modim. All they care about is that, quote, Hoda'a pertains to the past, and because of this, they established that Alanisim, they established uh, that Alanisim be said in it, which is about the past. Whereas the Bakasha of Kashem is about the future. At first glance, this sounds like irrelevant quibbling about tenses. Why should it matter that Kashem is about the future? In truth, I believe their objection is not about past versus future at all. Rather, it is about the limits of tangential insertions into the bracha. Where the theme of modim, uh, yeah, sorry, whereas the theme of modim is hoda'a in general, al-hanisim is about hoda'a on a particular event. Thus, even though al-hanisim deviates from the general theme of the bracha, it is still on topic insofar as it is an expression of thanksgiving. But if within the added hoda'a on a particular topic, we also add a particular bakasha pertaining to the future, that would be too far removed from the theme of modim and would therefore be inappropriate. To illustrate this reasoning with a contrived analogy, imagine someone giving you a, a general account about their happy childhood. If in the midst of this account, they segue into a nostalgic story about their first pet dog, you might regard this as a tangent, but you'll still feel like it's part of the conversation since it's within the general theme. But imagine if they conclude this story by asking you to come to the pet store with them later on this week to help them pick out a dog for their own child. You'd probably be re- react by thinking, wait, what? I thought we were talking about your childhood. A footnote within, with additional information? That's fine. A non-informational addendum to an informational footnote which introduces a completely new element? That's too far afield. This leaves us with our question on the majority view. Why are we asking Hashem to do miracles for us? Since when do we ask Hashem for miracles in tefillah? And why at this time and at this season? I believe the answer lies in an understanding of the fundamental theme of Hanukkah. 
The Rambam opens his discussion of Hanukkah with the following, quote, During the era of the second base of Mikdash, during the era of Malchus Yavan, the political sovereignty of Greece, they made decrees against Israel, abolished their religion, and did not allow them to be involved in Torah and mitzvahs. The Greeks stretched forth their hands into Israel's money and women, and they entered into the sanctuary, breached barriers, and rendered the pure impure. They caused Israel great distress and oppressed them exceedingly, until the God of our fathers had mercy on them and saved them from their hands. The Hashmonaim, the great Kohanim, overpowered them and killed them, and saved Israel from their hand. They appointed a Melech, a king, from the Kohanim, and the Malchus, political sovereignty, returned to Israel for over 200 years until the destruction of the second base of Mikdash. End quote. It might look like the Ramam is just giving us some factual historical background to Hanukkah without engaging in any homiletics. However, take a look at the Ramam's very first description of Yemosa Mashiach, the Messianic era, uh, in the Mishnah Torah in Hilos Tshuva. Quote, Because of this, all the prophets and wise men of Israel desired the era of the Melech HaMashiach, the King Messiah, so that they can gain relief from the evil Malchus, which does not allow them to be involved in Torah and mitzvahs properly, so that they can find tranquility and increase their wisdom and merit life in, the, in Olam Haba. In those days of Melech HaMashiach, there will be an increase in, of knowledge, wisdom, and truth, as it is stated, for the entire world will be filled with knowledge of Hashem. Uh, Yemos HaMashiach is Olam Hazeh, and the world will continue in its natural order, except that the Malchus will return to Israel. The early sages said the only difference between Olam Hazeh and Yemos Mashiach is Shibun Malchus, our subjugation to foreign political sovereignty alone. End quote from the Ramam. The parallels are clear. During the events of Hanukkah, we were subjugated to a Malchus which didn't allow us to keep Torah and mitzvahs properly, and which cut us off from the pursuit of knowledge, wisdom, and truth. That Malchus was uprooted, and Malchus Yisrael was restored, granting us the opportunity to flourish in Torah once again. That is, until we lost our Malchus again and our current exile began. In our current exile, we find ourselves subjugated to a Malchus, which doesn't allow us to keep Torah and mitzvahs properly. This political subjugation, according to the Ramam, is the only difference between the current era and Yemos Mashiach. One day, the obstructive Malchus will be uprooted and Malchus Yisrael will be restored permanently, enabling us to flourish in Torah like never before. In light of this, the appropriateness of Kashem is clear. By asking Hashem to save us as he saved them, we are acknowledging that the Hanukkah salvation was not a standalone event, but rather was one step on the journey towards the ultimate redemption, a journey we are still on and have been on for the nearly 2,000 years since the Hanukkah story ended. In fact, our inclusion of the Bakasha of Kashem serves a dual role. A, it contextualizes the events of Hanukkah within the arc of Jewish history, stretching from the past through the present and into the future, thereby achieving the objective of Pirsumi Nisa, publicizing the miracle, by highlighting the fact that the Hanukkah redemption was incomplete and has yet to reach its culmination. B, the Bakasha is a natural extension of the Hakara Satov, the recognition of the good, central to Modim. Our re- recognition of the true good of the Hanukkah salvation moves us to ask Hashem to bring about the full version of that goodness in our lifetimes. To sum it up, the Maharam and the Sefer HaManhig object to including Bakasha in Hoda'ah because it's a Pagam in the Hoda'ah, unless it's a Bakasha for life itself, which is the very premise of the Hoda'ah. Two, the Balitosos object to the Bakasha because its fundamentally different character in content and tense renders it too off-topic to blend into the Hoda'ah established by the sages. And point number three, everyone else holds that the Bakasha is appropriate because it contextualizes what we're thanking Hashem for and underscores our yearning for that good to come to fruition. That's all I've got. If you have a different or sharper explanation, I'm all ears. Okay, so that was the end of the original article. Um, uh, sorry, the original um, main body of the article. Then I added an addendum. Uh, this was in, again, December uh, 5781, uh, or 
2020, which was the winter of the uh, of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I wrote as follows. As I mentioned before, the Shulchan Arach, Ramah, Mishnah, Brewer, and Arach Shulchan all hold that a person may insert this pakasha if they so choose. I don't know about you, but this year more than ever, I think we are in need of miracles. If the postkim say it's okay to insert a kashem, then it's something we should at least consider. And if you're bothered by the audacity of asking Hashem to do miracles for us, consider his, his with capital H, conservative stance on miracles and our assumed, sorry, if you're bothered by the audacity of asking Hashem to do miracles for us, considering his conservative stance on miracles and our assumed lack of merit, I'd like to quote from the commentary of the Bechor Shor, who addresses the question of whether we have the right to ask for a miracle in tefillah. Quote, certainly an individual may not daven for a personal miracle, for who is to say that he is worthy? But if he davens that a miracle should be done on behalf of the many, like in the liturgy of may the, may the merciful one do miracles for us, then that then this is fine. Likewise, all the texts in the Piyutim, the liturgical poems, which mention that we daven for a miracle, all of them are in the plural. Furthermore, we must differentiate between miracles that are done in a natural manner, such as the wars of the Hashmonaim, which were miracles done in a natural manner, which is not the case regarding the transformation of a female into a male, as described in the Gemara Brachos 60a, in which Leah asked that the baby she was carrying be transformed from a male into a female, which is a miracle not done in a natural manner at all. To daven for a miracle like that would be a tefillah shav, a tefillah in vain. Therefore, one must be careful not to daven for a miracle Oh, sorry, not to daven that a miracle be done for him, which is outside of the natural manner. End quote from the Bechor Shor. According to the Bechor Shor, there are clear limitations on what types of miracles we may daven for. However, if we daven for miracles, which A, are not personal, but are for the many, and B, are hidden miracles rather than the supernatural miracles, which overly violate the laws of nature, then such a bakasha would be acceptable. And guess what makes a great paradigm for that category, the miracle of the wars of the Chashmonaim in the events of Hanukkah. Perhaps this is why the Ramam's version of Al-Hanisim doesn't include the miracle of the oil, but only the miracle of the war. When, according to the Ramam, we say, just as you did miracles and mighty acts for them, so too do miracles and mighty acts with us at this time and season, we are asking Hashem to do non-supernatural miracles for the sake of the Jewish people at large, not supernatural miracles for our own personal benefit. When we look around us at all the suffering we have witnessed and experienced in 2020, there is ample need for non-supernatural miracles to help the public. Miracles to bring a swift end to the pandemic, whether through expediency in science and technology or by other means, miracles to help the economy, miracles to minimize uh, the damage being done by the government and its politicians, miracles to unite the this fractured country, miracles to assure Israel's safety in the, in the face of the shifting world powers, miracles to help us learn from the many mistakes made by so many people this year. It is miracles like these which are worthy, which are worth davening for at this time and in this season. But if we choose to insert the bakasha of kashem, we must remember that the miraculous solutions we yearn for are a means to a very specific end, so that we can be involved in the good for its own sake, which is an increase of knowledge, wisdom, and truth, which will lead to the fulfillment of the prophecy, for the entire world will be filled with knowledge of Hashem. Addendum number two, asking for a miracle on Hanukkah 5783-2023, the Israel-Hamas war in Gaza. At the time of my republishing of this article, Israel will be entering day 66 of its present war in Gaza, precipitated by Hamas's horrific surprise attack on October 7th, Simchas Torah. Uh, Simchas Torah. 1, 000, over 1,200 Israelis have been killed, including 417 IDF soldiers. Over 3,700 Israelis have been wounded. There are still over 130 hostages in Gaza. According to the most recent Times of Israel daily briefing podcast I heard, this war will certainly last many more months and likely for a year or more. 
And there are so many more things that could go wrong, which might lead to rapid escalation in the region, that the word volatile seems woefully inadequate. I am not a historian, nor a military strategist, nor a political analyst. But from my limited vantage point, Israel is more in need of miracles now than at any other time in the last 50 years. More importantly, we all need to recognize that the fate of our people is in Hashem's hands, and the addition of Kashim reinforces that awareness. I had planned to write to Rav Herschel Schachter, the most influential POSIG I know, prior to Hanukkah this year, in hopes that he might publicly endorse the addition of this bakasha, just as he has endorsed saying Avinu even on Shabbos. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to write to him in time. So I figured that the next best thing I can do is to republish this article and encourage everyone to ask their poskim or rely on the majority poskim I cited above. Kishim shasisa imahem nisim kach ase imanunisim ugvuros ba'is uva onahazos. Just as Hashem did miracles and mighty acts for them, so too may He do miracles and mighty acts with us at this time and season. May we all have a happy Hanukkah and live to see the ultimate redemption of our people. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.